Hey everyone, uh, my name is David Wood and I'm out here in Mundy Park, which is uh, very close to our church and I'm here with my colleague uh, John Haas and with our good friends Ben and Paul and we're going to do something a little bit different today. Holy Saturday is that awkward time between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. But I think in many ways Holy Saturday fits our times. Um, Holy Saturday doesn't quite fit, but one of the themes of Holy Saturday is that of waiting and watching. And a lot of us are in that place right now of waiting and watching in the middle of this crisis. And so what we're going to do in this uh, next few minutes that we have together is we're going to worship, we're going to pray, we're going to reflect on God's Word, and we're going to do it, I hope, in, in quite a creative way. So I'd like to begin, and we're going to do this uh, throughout the service, we're going to, to pray from uh, voices from the past. Uh, we're going to be drawing from uh, the Puritans, uh, 17th century uh, Christian movement, and man, these guys knew how to pray. So I'm going to begin with um, praying the Valley of Vision. Let's pray. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, Thou hast brought me to the Valley of Vision where I live in the depths but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Lord, let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is a healed heart, that the contrite spirit is a rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is a victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is a place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Lord, let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, and thy glory in my valley. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a few songs together and Many of these hymns you will know, some of them are new arrangements. And if you'd like to sing along with us on cachurch.info, you'll be able to find the lyrics to join us as we sing. Not mine. 
When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my love thou hast taught me And it is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. And it is well, it is well with my soul. And though Satan should buffet, though trial should assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul and it is way Of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the
Lord Jesus, I am blind, be thou my light. Ignorant, be thou my wisdom. Self-willed, be thou my mind. Open my ear to grasp quickly thy spirit's voice and delightfully run after his beckoning hand. Melt my conscience that no hardness remain. Make it alive to evil's slightest touch. When Satan approaches, may I flee to thy wounds and there cease to tremble at all alarms. Be my good shepherd to lead me into the green pastures of thy word and cause me to lie down beside the rivers of its comforts. Fill me with peace that no disquieting worldly gales may ruffle the calm surface of my soul. Thy cross was upraised to be my refuge. Thy blood streamed forth to wash me clean. Thy death occurred to give me surety. Thy name is my property to save me. Be thee all heaven is poured into my heart, but it is too narrow to comprehend thy love. I was a stranger, an outcast, a slave, a rebel, but thy cross has brought me near, has softened my heart, has made me thy father's child, has admitted me to thy family, has made me joint heir with thyself. Oh, that I may love thee as thou lovest me, that I may walk worthy of thee, my Lord, that I may reflect the image of heaven's firstborn. May I always see thy beauty with the clear eye of faith and feel the power of thy spirit in my heart. For unless he move mightily in me, no inward fire will be kindled. In the valley, oh God, you're near. In the quiet, oh God, you're near. In the shadow, oh God, you're near. At my breaking, oh God, you're near. Stands firm through all my life. In my searching, oh God, you're near. In my wandering, oh God, you're near. When I feel alone, oh God, you're near. At my lowest, oh God, you're Oh, 
Thank you, Lord, that you are always with us. Thank you that there is not one minute of our life where we are alone on this earth. By your Holy Spirit, you are always present in our midst. We can, as your children, oh God, always look to you as our heavenly Father. And we can know that your love for us is there each morning, that there are mercies and grace anew. Lord, at this time, would you continue to be with us? Would you help us by your Holy Spirit to be more aware of your presence in our life? That as we wake up in the morning and we go to sleep at night, we will be aware of your guiding presence as our light. In your name we pray. Amen. So good, John. I mean, these uh, these days have been difficult. Uh, they've been very difficult. Now I get it. I get it. For uh, for some people, it's more difficult. I mean, um, there are some of us that, uh, or some people who have lost a loved one in this crisis. There are those uh, who every day they're on the front lines. You know, they're maybe in the nursing profession or as doctors or on you know kind of frontline response teams and and this is especially difficult for them as well and and then there's just those who are as as pastor diane wrote about this past week uh, there are those who are on the margins of society who are really struggling and where this idea of social distancing is not really an option for them so i get it that said things are difficult 
And these are very strange days indeed. Um, I think in the West, certainly in, in recent times, we've never experienced anything like this before. And uh, one of the uh, words I would use to describe our time is the word uh, disoriented. I feel disoriented. I feel th thrown off. Um, again, not because of any great hardship. I mean, staying home and you know binging on whatever program we happen to be watching, but uh, it's just we're living in a time where we just don't seem to have the framework through which to make sense of things. I mean, who has ever experienced a pandemic before? Now, part of the issue I think that we're facing today is that uh, has to do with our expectations. We expect our lives to be different. We expect that we can hug our friends, right? We expect, um, well, we expect toilet paper when we go shopping. We, we expect to see full shelves at the grocery store. We expect to go to school. We expect to see our classmates. We expect to go to work, um, plan our vacation, and carry on with our lives as things had been before, but everything is thrown off and we feel disoriented. And this is challenging. And, uh, and it's challenging partly also because um, we don't know when the end's in sight. Uh, we hope it'll be soon, but we don't know. And so we find ourselves living in a time where things are not working out the way we expected. And that, that is tough. And it's really doing a number on us. Now, it just so happens that this place, this emotional landscape of feeling disoriented, confused, disillusioned, I mean, that's the exact emotional landscape of Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is that awkward time, as I said, between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Uh, it's a time of uncertainty. It's a time of waiting. And, uh, and I think, you know, if you were to describe our lives right now, would, that, would those words not be the words to describe our times or our, 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 our feelings right now? Is a sense of uncertainty and a sense of waiting. I and mean, we're told that this could go on for, for weeks and weeks. Well, I want you to think about the disciples who had been following Jesus in the Easter story. I mean, they had expected something different from their leader, Jesus. They had expected that things were going to work out fine. Uh, they had um, hoped that uh, their leader was the one who they thought he was. They thought he was the one who was going to deliver them. And uh, they had all these hopes, all these expectations in Jesus, but all these hopes, all these expe expectations come crashing to the ground on Good Friday because they had just seen their leader, the leader who they put their hope in. Um, they had seen him arrested, uh, seen him beaten, seen him nailed to a Roman cross and die. And all their hopes, all their, all their expectations, all the things that they thought things were going to work out this way, they were all dashed on Good Friday. And they experienced a profound sense of disorientation. We read um, on the road to Emmaus, we read in the book of Luke, on the road to Emmaus, two travelers are walking back from Jerusalem and they're joined by another. And, and if you read the passage, you, you, you hear the disappointment in their voices. 
they say things like, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. We had hoped that he would be our salvation. But it appears we were wrong. And Holy Saturday plays us smack dab in the middle of disappointment, where we feel disoriented. And uh, we feel this disappointment of what we hoped would be. And so what I wanted to do is uh, to look at a, a book in the Old Testament. There is a book in the Old Testament that I think, well, there are many books that could do this, but I think there's, there's one book in particular that can give, um, give voice to how many of us are feeling these days. And, and the book is uh, the book of Lamentations. And I want to read um, Lamentations. Not any, well, it's not, not too hard to find. It's, it's just after uh, the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And in the book of Lamentations, um, you need to understand a little bit of uh, the background because the whole book of Lamentations, and it really should be read aloud, um, expresses extreme confusion, extreme sense of disorientation, extreme sense of disappointment because it is articulating how people were feeling when, when the people of God, when uh, the people in, in Judah um, are, are taken into exile where the people of God are, are lifted out of the promised land, where, all, where their lives are completely disrupted and they're, and they're dragged into exile. And uh, the, the unthinkable had taken place. And in the midst of all the destruction, in the midst of all the murder and the chaos, um, Jeremiah pens these words. I'm just going to read a couple passages in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. Look at verse 1, uh, in, in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn. No one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate. Her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Verse 10. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. All her people groan as they search for bread, as they barter for treasures, for food, to look to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Verse 16, this is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Now the prophet Jeremiah, he, he, he gives us this heart cry of disappointment, this deep sense of sorrow, a deep sense of confusion and disorientation. And yet his response, in his response, there's a number of things, but there's three things that I think we can walk away with. The first thing is this, despite the horror of the, 
of the, the these tragic events, despite the sense of confusion, this, despite the sense of unrealized expectation, despite all this, look, notice what Jeremiah does. He takes his lament and he brings it to God, knowing that God is present. Now note this, knowing that God is present is not the same as knowing what God is up to. You know, in this crisis that we're experiencing, we're hard pressed to make sense of it. Um, and one of the biggest dangers a pastor could ever do is try to explain what God is up to. Um, there's been a lot of stuff floating around the internet about how these are signs of the end times and all that kind of nonsense. So you know what I think of it. Um, we, do, we don't know. We don't know. Tom Wright, uh, a well-known author and uh, pastor in England, he wrote a very interesting article in Time magazine. And he says, you know, we just don't know. There's a mystery. There's a mystery to, to what is going on. And, and we're uncomfortable with that because we live in a world that demands explanations. Because if we think if we have an explanation for everything, we can control everything. But we can't. We can't here. We do not know why God allowed this pandemic to happen. And yet we can still bring our lament, bring our prayers before him because he is present in the midst of it. And that... That uh, leads us to the second thing that Jeremiah does. Now, it's, e it's not easy to see in our English translations, but um, the book of Lamentations is, um, is, is um, put together in a really interesting way. The first four chapters are, are poems, and they're, they're, uh, they are acrostics. And so what it is is that each verse, the beginning of each verse is the, beginning, is the first letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet, and it works consecutively through that. And each um, chapter is a poem using a meter of a funeral dirge. And so the whole thing is crafted very carefully. And, and what, what I think that says is that here you have um, a situation that of, uh, full of chaos, full of confusion, full of a sense of disorientation, and yet, and yet, its articulation is, is structured in a way that says that yes, things seem chaotic, but there is order underneath it. And what I think Jeremiah is getting at is that though things around us may seem confusing, random, and chaotic, that God is still sovereign. He's still, um, he still has, he, bring, he brings order out of chaos. And, um, and he can still speak to us. And, he, and, and one of the things that happens is, as we're called to wait in the midst of this, is one, we're to trust that God is still sovereign. Secondly, um, in the midst of our current chaos, all of our false hopes are laid bare. And I think one of the biggest false hopes that we had that's been shown to just be a false hope is the fact that we are somehow in charge, that somehow we are in control of our lives, of our future, of all sorts of things in our lives. We're not. We're not in control. But the point of uh, Lamentations is that God still remains in control. And so Holy Saturday strips us of our false hopes. It destroys our idols. Um, it, it invites us. Yes, we experience disappointment. We experience sorrow. It seems random. But God is still sovereign. And he is the one, even in the midst of our, of our chaos, can bring order out of chaos. And that leads us to our last point. 
And uh, it, it's the key point. In, in the book of uh, Lamentations, the way it is structured is, is absolutely brilliant because right at the very center, right at the very center of Lamentations, this, this crying out, this sense of, you know, God, what are you doing? And the, the world spinning out of control. You hear these words. Listen very carefully. Lamentations chapter 3 um, says this, verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And that is the key. Because when chaos reigns all around us, when disappointment threatens to bring us to despair, when we're left in a place of waiting, it is in that place of waiting, it is in that place of silence where we discover something really important. And it's that God is enough. That God is enough. He loves us with a steadfast love and his mercies are new every morning. Now on Sunday morning, on uh, Easter week, the disciples were surprised by hope. This hope appears in a way that they didn't see coming. This hope is manifested in a way that was deeper and more mysterious than they ever could have imagined. Because on Sunday morning, they discovered something that's, that's, that's a game changer for all history. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, so where does that leave you and me this Holy Saturday? Does it mean if we wait on God, everything's going to work out? Well, we don't know. There's a lot of things we just don't know. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what kind of economic impact this is going to have. We don't know if our loved ones will be safe. There's a lot that we don't know, but we do know this. We know that the worst that you and I will ever experience will not have the final word. The final word is Jesus, and we know that because he is risen. Because of the risen Jesus, the worst thing that you and I could ever experience in this pandemic will not have the final word. The final word is life. It is mercies. It is, it is hope. Those will have the final words. It is eternity, eternal life. And here's the thing. This is where um, perspective is always important because believe it or not, we are not the first people to ever experience this kind of hardship. Um, we're not the first people to experience a radical change to our world. Uh, one of the guys that I uh, love to look at is uh, St. Augustine. And St. Augustine lived in the uh, late 4th century, or early uh, 5th century. And he was a uh, bishop in north, uh, northern part of Africa, North Africa, a place called Hippo. And uh, Augustine lived to see the unthinkable happen. Because in 410 AD, um, this barbarian thug, a guy named Alaric, did something that nobody thought would be possible. He and his, he and his, his men, they, uh, they broke the gates of Rome. They entered Rome. They sacked Rome um, for days and for days. And they burned and they raped and they pillaged. 
And, and this was a shock, because this is Rome. This is in the time of the Roman Empire. And if Rome was unsafe, well, then who could be safe? And uh, it's interesting because uh, Christians even despaired. There's, there's one fella, a guy named uh, Jerome, St. Jerome, who was friends with Augustine, and he's writing from Bethlehem. And he writes these words. He says, the light of the world has been put out. The city which has taken the whole world is itself taken. If Rome can perish, well, what then is safe? And think about how many people, when they say farewell to you today, what do they say? Stay safe. Jerome says, if, if Rome has fallen, then who could ever be safe? The answer comes from Augustine, and he writes to his friend Jerome, and he says this, You're surprised that the world is losing its grip? That the world has grown old? Do not be afraid. Their youth shall be renewed as an eagle. See, for Augustine, the hope that uh, we had was not in empires. The Roman Empire would rise, and like all empires, it would fall. Augustine wrote his book, his magnum opus, The Kingdom of God, or the, yeah, the City of God. And he wrote it in response to all the chaos and all the fear that was floating around him. He says, you know what, you're putting, you're putting your hope in the, in the uh, city of man? That's not where our hope is. Our hope is in the city of God. Our hope is not in flattening the curve. Our hope is not in social distancing. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and is his kingdom. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so today, this Holy Saturday, if you're feeling afraid like I am, if you're feeling anxious like I am, remember Holy Saturday. It's a time of waiting. It's a time of watching. It's a time of praying. It's a time of trusting. And it's a, tri it's a time of holding on to the fact that God is sovereign, that he is good, that he loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Jesus Christ, we know that we do not need to be afraid. And so let us live our lives this Holy Saturday in these realities. Let's pray. God of all grace, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness and for your goodness. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we feel afraid. Your word tells us that perfect love drives out fear. So help us to live, not in fear, but in hope of the risen one, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.
so I eat the tears I cry And then if that were not enough They know just the words to cut and tear and prod When they ask me where's your God Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me As a deep hands for water So my soul thirsts for you And when I survey your splendor You so faithfully renew Like a bed for my fainting flesh, I am satisfied in you. When I'm looking at the ground, it's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. So it's time to lift my brow and remember better days when I love. And all your ways Singing sweetest songs of praise Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me As a deep hands for water So my soul longs for Splendor, you so faithfully renew like a bed for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied, and let my sighs give way to songs that sing about your faithfulness, and let my pain reveal your glory as my only. My loss is showing me all I truly have is you. That all I truly have is you. And when I'm drowning out at sea, and all your breakers and your waves crash down on me. I'll recall your safety scheme You're the one who made the ways And your son went out to suffer in my place To show me that I'm safe So why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me As a deep hands for water So my soul thirsts for you And when I survey your splendor You so faithfully renew Like a bed of rest 
for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied. And I am satisfied. And I am satisfied.